Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. If you're curious, I do have a pimple on my nose that exploded this morning, and I did cut myself shaving. So during the message, focus on the Word of God and not those things, little things. Be serious. No. Let's greet one another. A lot of warfare, a lot of resistance with the snow, but glad you're here in person. And those watching online, welcome, guys. You can be seated, and let's practice the rule of life. We all need some realignment. Uh, I think this series is right on point of what God is doing this year. And I believe God's going to exponentially change many of our prayer lives. This year, 2022, will be the moment for many of you where prayer actually is integrated into your life and you become about 300 times better. Something that we might not have thought that was possible, but I believe with short spurts of prayers and the discipline, you're going to become a prayer Jedi. So let's exhale and practice the rule of life right now. Everyone, the ruminations, the automatic thoughts, the anxious thoughts, the toxicities, all that we carry in our lives and all the weight of the environment and the chronic fatigue, we were never meant to carry that type of burden on our own. The Father carries us and cares for us. And so right now, inhale God's care, God's presence, God's love for you. Soak in it. Let the presence of God permeate this room. All God's people pray. Amen. So a very popular and humorous, idiomatic proverb reads like this. Read it with me. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Now, This idiom is referring to the existential crisis that we experience, well, I do, when you finish your cake. And that piece of cake is gone, and then depression and disappointment ensue. Um, It is part of life's experience to experience this. My son said this to me, moved down here this past week, after eating cha jangmyeon, which is a brown noodle fu- Chinese and Korean fusion, like many of our kids in our church, and, <laughs> or that's the future, it seems like. But uh, he was eating cha jangmyeon, and, and he just said to me, Dad, 
after eating it with sadness, but humorous at the same time, I wish I could travel back in time and eat this all over again. And in this picture it says, I ate you cake. Oh cake, I miss you. There is something about food that's central to life, that's so paramount to our lives. Not because it's just necessary, and you have to catch this, but it's necessary really to build and essential to build community. Food is the epicenter of civic life. It's when families gather together. It's when friends gather together. Food, in many ways, is life. Tell someone next to you, food is life. Another axiom, popular and humorous at the same time, begs the question, does one eat to live or do you live to eat? Answer? What a silly question. Of course, both. You eat, you eat simply to live on the weekday, and you live to eat on the weekends with the people you love. In fact, the only time what you eat does not matter or it's irrelevant it's when who is surrounding you. And better the food, the better the fellowship. And it compounds the joy, doesn't it? When Jesus looks at the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus gives his disciples the Lord's Prayer, this is the aspect of prayer that he integrates into this a breath of a prayer. Just 66 words. He's more interested in the communal aspect of prayer than he is then the act itself or the discipline itself. Because prayer is not an end it's a means. In fact, if prayer becomes an end for you, it becomes toxic. Because then it becomes about how much I prayed and how well I pray. And I used to know all about this because I used to brag about it all the time to my friends when, in, when I was a kid. And it becomes dangerous in spiritual formation, which I will address the week week. Next time I speak about this series, the dangers of prayer. No. What if prayer, what if we saw prayer as an invitation and Jesus calling us to his kitchen? Not hell's kitchen in midtown Manhattan, but heaven's kitchen. What if prayer is an invitation to God's table to not just eat, but to play board games, to fellowship, and to play sometimes even nefarious, insidious games like Mafia. Imagine playing Mafia with Jesus. He knows Satan very well. 
What if prayer really is an invitation to grow in our relationship, or relationships, plural, with one another and God? In the end of the day, there are only two things Gene Edwards says that are God-breathed. The Word of God, the breath of the Spirit in those 66 books, writing the motif and the narrative of the gospel story, and us. God breathed His life into us. And when those two things collide in prayer, explosion takes place, an exponential power takes place. And that's what we will do for all eternity. You go, pray? No. That's the means in this temporal world to the eternal world, the primordial world. It's the doorway. But these relationships with God that we have and the relationships we have with one another, look at the person next to you. Supposedly, they make it to heaven. I'm kidding. <laughs> how, how well are you doing? <laughs> you will have these relationships forever. So then the question I want to ask and unpack is, what is God's initial purpose for prayer? Because I think the assumptions we have as Janice read very well today, beautifully, about the piety of prayer and the dangers of prayer. But what's the intention of prayer? And sometimes the, <clears throat> the subtlety of the Lord's Prayer is missed because it's written, you know, in Aramaic. Really, Jesus spoke in Aramaic, and then it was translated into Greek, the common language, and into English. I want to give a different perspective. We read Luke's gospel last week. Today, I want to look at Matthew, and I want to show you God's intention from the very beginning in the grammar and in the original language. So let's turn to the passage and look at it together. Thank you, Kevin. You're my brother. So this is what Jesus says in verse 9. Then, this is how you should pray. And read it with me. What does it say? What's the first word there? Our Father. Not my Father. It's plural. It's not singular. Jesus is teaching a breath of the prayer that's collective in consciousness. Rooted in community. In fact, if you look at Scripture, Jesus says many times that when two or three gather in my name, I am among them. Now, this doesn't mitigate our personal relationship with God, but the whole idea of communing with God is laced and embedded in relationship with others. Jesus says, when you pray, when you guys gather, this is how you should pray. Our Father. The very beginning of the prayer is a collection, is a collective consciousness of how we, tell someone next to you, we are related to one another by the adoption of the Father of our lives through the blood of Jesus Christ, how we're adopted into the same family, how we're related to one another. 
And that is an aspect of prayer that people miss. In, in, in a Western world where, you know, your last name comes at the end and not in the beginning. I'm Asian. I know particularly that my first name, you know, comes. Well, that doesn't make sense, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that the, your, your last name comes first because you represent not only, only, only yourself, but your whole family, your whole tribe. In the Middle Eastern lens, that's how they think as well. Jesus was giving us prayer that's plural together, how we could pray for one another. The power of prayer is so important when we pray for each other and with each other. And that's a richness that a lot of Christians miss because of the Western mindset. Prayer is my relationship with God. It's my business with God. It's all about me and God. No, no. Prayer and community are inseparable in the biblical lens. Let's put this picture down. This is my son, oh, the son. We did, we did some twinning at the Boys to Men concert uh, with the Patagonia jackets. That's a gift from many of you for, for I think, my 40th birthday a long time ago. Long, long time ago. <laughs> but uh, now, you see, I'm telling the truth about my age. God's changing me. You see that? But um, as a father, the interesting dynamic when you have a teenage son is that when you come to a moment in your life where you don't know how to navigate, help your son because you've never been there, it's so interesting to think about my son as my brother in Christ. Not as I'm your father, because in Christ we're brothers. And a lot of people do mistake us for brothers at the airport all the time, you know. And I'm like, yeah, he's my brother. The TSA agent, so you're, is that your brother? Yes, in Christ. But, like, like for example, when he, he has a music career, a thriving music career, he was doing his first music video with a very popular director in music, and uh, I didn't know, you know, what that looked like or how that works. And I remember the video was being released at midnight, and, you know, Nathan was like, Dad, I can't, you know, I'm just pacing back and forth. Do you want to go to the diner? Uh, I just feel so, and I'm anxious too, because I don't want it to bomb, you know. Then I'm going to have to deal with his depression. And, you know, and we're, we're, we're talking about it. And he goes, Dad, can we pray together and give this to God? What a moment to has my son, as brothers in Christ, turned to the Heavenly Father. Turned to the Eternal One, the Eternal Father, for guidance and wisdom, for peace. Because He knows what we don't know. He knows the future, and we don't know the future. And a calm and peace came. That is an aspect of prayer that often is missed. We don't pray enough with one another. Families that pray together are stronger together. Couples that pray together stay together and grow together. Friends that pray for one another and together become stronger together. 
this is an aspect, the communal aspect of prayer is what Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray for one another and pray together to the Father in agreement in Jesus' name. Amen? The power comes. Just this week, I was teaching um, Asian, with Asian Access emerging leaders in Southeast Asia. And I was praying with them. And we were praying together. We'd never met just on Zoom because of COVID. But engineers and doctors in Southeast Asia, in these professions, trying to lead their context with Christ. We all prayed together in the end, praying for a missiological imagination for God's grace. And, the, and, and what's the first word I uttered when I prayed for them? Father, our Father. And I felt the presence of God just fall because we were connected now, just not as strangers. Even boundaries from the U.S. to Asia, we were bounded through eternity by our Father. It was so powerful to experience prayer this way, the communal aspect of prayer. Let me ask you a question. Are you praying with your spouse, with your friends, with your family? Start not. Never, it never hurts. When Jesus said, when two or three gather in my name, pray in agreement, and it shall be done. Tell someone, it shall be done. I don't know when, but it shall be done. I want to invite you this year to pray with one another. And I'm not even talking about, you know, me. I have, you know, PTSD when people ask me, do you want to pray? Because when I was a kid and people said, do you want to pray? That meant like five hours. Like, uh, no, not really. And so this whole aspect of this, this holiness tradition, charismatic tradition of praying in meetings and praying for a very long time, which Jesus never teaches, praying in spurts together. Because if you pray for hours and hours at end, you become weird. I'm serious. I've never met someone that, didn't, that prayed all day that could pay their rent. Because if you didn't go to your job, how are you going to pay your rent? Then they kick you out. Then your kids are like, then they go, well, I was praying. And your children are like, well, we're homeless. That's not God's plan for your life. No, of course not. People who are not, te- they're not tethered to reality cannot reach reality. People living in reality, the real world. And that's why... You have to redefine the purpose of prayer. It's to draw us closer together. When we pray for one another, we're saying that we care about you. And we're giving you the best resource, the very well of the presence of God in your life. And we pray His hand of blessing and His guidance guides you, which is the best gift we can give anyone. Are we praying together? Let that be a goal. Short. 30 seconds, one minute of agreement. Father, we pray for this in agreement. Someone struggling, we pray for clarity. We pray for wisdom. And see, make a record of what you pray for. That's what the Baptist tradition does. They pray for, 
They might pray a long time, but they praise God when they get it. Don't just pray. Don't forget when you get the answer. So that's the first thing. We have to rediscover, first lesson, the communal aspect of prayer. That's God's initial purpose for prayer. It's rediscovering the familia, the social context of community within the family of God. And I pray we discover it in depth this year. And can you imagine that? That's just the first word is pregnant with meaning. God breathe. All right, let's move down. So the second thing here, very curious that a Jewish prayer would include this when Jesus says in verse 11, we're going to all read it together, give us today what? Our daily bread. Because most Jewish prayers didn't pray for daily bread. They didn't pray for a weekly bread or a monthly supply of bread. They prayed for annual supply of bread. Right? Comes from Egypt and Pharaoh, you know, seven years supply. Jewish people prayed for, Lord, give us enough to have for the rest of our lives. Let your blessing flow all throughout lives. Here, Jesus takes a miniature size of that and says, no, pray, Father, give us today our daily bread. It's completely opposite of the posture of complete independence without anxiety to a very intimate reason to be together in the, in the table. That's why I say prayer is Jesus calling us to his table, to his kitchen table. Because the word daily bread in Greek is not really even bread. It's necessities. The only time I could get my kids together at home is when we have bread. That's when I see their face. My oldest son, I don't see him anymore. He's not at home anymore. All I, I see him when his curfew happens. He comes 12 o'clock, 11.59. Dad, is there food? My mom used to do this for me. I used to come home. And my, I wouldn't even say, Mom, is there food? She goes, did you eat? And then she would heat me up something. So that's what I do now as another mother at night because my wife is asleep. I heat up food. I don't cook. I can't, but I know how to use the microwave. You know, you know what I'm saying? The air fryer is the only time in the morning and night. It's the only time. That's why my wife wrote that song. I seek you in the morning. I seek you in the day and the night. I mean, he comes at night and then I heat him up the food. And it's the only time we talk. And he caps me on his day about the funny things his friend said that day. And it's not even about the food, right? What is it about? It's about relationship. So when Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, he's saying you're coming to the table today, every day, not when you need something particularly. Yes, you need a meal. But how many people here go to the kitchen when you need to eat? I go to the kitchen all the time when I don't need to eat. When I need to snack. Put this picture up here. Here is my wife and I in Paris. Bread 
brings you closer together. My wife is trying to steal my sandwich. She thinks this baguette was really good. Um, But food, the centrality of food, is the centerpiece of life because it's where we live our lives together. So when Jesus is talking about daily bread, he's talking about fellowship, communing with each other, not just the Father, but with us, with each other, the family of God, to sit at the table. You know what I'm saying? To talk to one another, to laugh. Here's my son when he was cute. That's actually Josh. That's not Nathan. Josh and I are exactly twins. We have the same hands. We're eat- if you look at our hands, we're holding the food the same way. Okay? But that's, that's Nathan. This is when he was a cute boy instead of an ugly, disgusting man in the house. <laughs> it was the only time he hugged me, when, when I got the baguette, when I got the bread. Food draws us closer to one another. You have to look at prayer and the point of prayer as developing a relationship that will go on forever with our Heavenly Father and with one another. Aren't there days in your life where if you said, I wish this day never ends? Usually, when you're around with the people you love and you're surrounded by really good food and the water and some umbrella drinks, they help. They go, I wish this never ends. I had a ritual with my mom when, when she was still here with us. We too ate together. Every time we would go shopping for clothes. My mom would never buy something for herself. My mom would buy me clothes for summer, spring, winter. And she only believed that there was only one gap in the world, and that was in Queens. <laughs> I don't know why. She, maybe because she saw it, but she goes, no, that is the only gap. And at the time, in the, in the you know, early 90s, gap was very popular in Korea. People would buy in like bags and bags to resell. And my mom would take me to Gap because she says, that's Kogub, you know, that's the best. You know, this is the best brand in the world. Right? And I need to give my son the best. And I mean, my, my mom would never say no to something I wanted. Even if it was like, you're, you know, you're 11, you're spending four or $500 in Gap, right? That's a lot. I didn't really think about that. But never ever would we go home hungry because after all the work I put in shopping, we would eat the brown noodles together at this one spot in Main Street. And it was a ritual. And we would talk. I don't remember what we talked about. But let me tell you honestly, And I'm not going to cry because Paul cried and Stu cried last time because I'm a professional. (laughs) 
<laughs> but in hindsight, those are the day I wish it never would end. Those are the moments I wish would never end. Like my youngest son said, I wish I could go back to the past and eat this all over again. Reversibility, I, I wish I had that ability. So I could go back and eat it again. It's not even about the Chinese-Korean fusion, like our kids <laughs> in our church. It's not even about the brown noodles. It's about who I was with. But you know what? There is one place, one day, where you can have your cake and eat it too. And that will be in heaven. Because in heaven, you won't need to eat to live. You'll live to eat. And the eating will never end. Because the fellowship will never end. It's the only place where you can eat your cake and have it too. That is the invitation of prayer. It's an invitation to a feast. How many people want to pray right now? You're all excited to pray. Jesus is calling us to his table. Two things we need to accomplish this year. To pray together as a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, and to discover the feast in Jesus' table with the Father, the Spirit. And that's what we're aiming to do. Our God's people pray. Amen. Let's stand and pray together. Will you lift your hands to the Lord today? Let's pray for daily bread to our Father together. Let's not forget who we're with. The people that, has, that God has surrounded us with. Through the Father and through the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us in the cross. We are family for all eternity, for better or worse. So please become more like Jesus. <laughs> this year, we will grow far closer to one another if we pray together and pray for one another and bless one another. There's so much, so much cursing in our world out of envy and out of anger and out of bitterness. Could we become a community that Jesus intended in the Lord's Prayer? Could we become that family around Jesus' kitchen that learns to forgive one another, learns to pray for one another, learn to share food for those of you some greedy? and learn the Father's heart for you. 
Let's make this our prayer. it was odd that we're limited to 2,000 calories a day. You go to South Africa, in the back of the calorie count, they don't call it calories, they call it energy. I was like, oh, that makes sense. You need energy to live. If you've ever been to Martha's, they have the Napoleon, they have the strawberry the cakes I like, and my heart's desire is to eat all of it without exploding. Those cakes, those desserts with 30,000 calories in one box is a foreshadowing to heaven. It is the only place where you won't need to eat to live. It's a place where you live to eat. Because the point is not to eat, the point is to fellowship. Prayer is an invitation to feast at the table of God. You don't need to go for long dinners. Sometimes you need to, to commune with the Father that way. Sometimes you need to just go for a snack. That's why we pray in the morning. That's why we Seek Him in the afternoon. Seek Him at night. There is no restriction because that feast is just a prayer away. I pray this year in Jesus' name that we would reframe the notion because that's God's original plan. To fellowship together. To play together for all eternity. So learn to do it now. Have FOMO for that. Bow your heads for the benediction today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go have some cake.
Um, we're so glad to see you here, both in person and online. I'm Sarah. I'm a member here at 180 Church. I'm going to be sharing our community news today before we go into the rest of our service. So our first announcement is tithes and offerings. So if you're a member here at 180 Church, we want to remind you to keep um, God in the center of our life and our finances. Um, so you can tithe faithfully at Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. If you're visiting for the first time, welcome. There's no financial obligation to give, but if you'd like to, um, you're welcome to give at the methods I mentioned or at 180church.tv to learn more and give through that way as well. The next up is Bible Reading Group. So Bible Reading Group can be found at 180BRG at Instagram and Tumblr. Um, so this is a really great way to um, just read the Bible throughout the week and learn more about who God is and just make it a part of our life. Um, and so you can check us out there and follow along. Our next announcement is about prayer um, as a community. So we have our prayer text hotline at 5397prayer. This is an awesome resource where if there's anything um, that you would like to request prayer for or anyone in your life, you can submit it here and there will be a team praying confidentially for it and for you. If there are any victories in your life, you're also welcome to share them as well so that the team can celebrate with you. And we also have our house of prayer. This is on Sundays right here in the theater at 1140 every Sunday before service. And this is a place to um, prepare and quiet our hearts before service as Pastor Lydia leads this time. Our next announcement is about small groups. So small groups are a way where we can slow down and reflect on what we hear on Sunday in the context of community. We're meeting mostly remotely at this time. So we have multiple groups that meet throughout the week. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Young adults meet Thursdays at 7.30. And 180 Fellowship, our college ministry, meets on Mondays at 7.30. If you're interested in getting plugged into a small group, you can talk to me or any of the greeters in blue and we'll help find the right one for you. Um, our next announcement is about social media. So there are so many ways where we can stay connected um, as a community throughout the week. We have three handles on Instagram, um, 180 Church, 180 BRG, and our 180 Fellowship page. We have our YouTube at 180 Church NYC, where I know many of you are tuning in now. We have Dr. Sammy's Twitter page at Dr. Sammy Kim. Is it a Twitter page? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we have our Facebook at 180 Church, and our, um, as I mentioned, we have our um, 180BRG at Tumblr. So we welcome you guys to follow along there. Our next announcement is about ways that we can serve the community. So we are looking for volunteers in a few different areas. So if you're looking to serve, um, we have some opportunities here for you. The first one is about children's ministry. Um, if you'd like to uh, just be around kids and teach them about God, you can um, talk to Pastor Lydia or Michelle Kim and they will um, get you plugged into that. Next, we have 180 Cafe. As many of you mentioned, we have awesome baristas making coffee or tea that you can enjoy before and after service. If you'd like, if you like making coffee, we're looking for volunteers here as well, so you can definitely join us there. Um, and lastly, the greeting team is also looking for volunteers. If you're interested in serving the community and just saying hi to faces, it really makes such a difference for people when they come. So if you'd like to be part of that ministry, you can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee. 